Now, we're going to be looking at a particular theme that I think is really exciting in Scripture. There's a lot of things that are exciting in Scripture, but I've not heard many people speak on this. Uh, you're probably wondering what's coming then. Uh, uh, you'll find that in a moment. But uh, John Wesley, some of you will have heard of him, and uh, he's just a hero of the faith, John Wesley started the Methodist Church, and it's just incredible what went on um, during the period when he was around, the, the, the level of revival that was around. They reckon that, uh, that his period with him and George Whitfield, that one in four people in the country, the whole of the UK, were passionate, full-on, born-again, spirit-filled Christians. He's never seen a revival like that um, since or, or before. But he says this. He says, praying for somebody is the best thing that you can do. Praying for somebody is the best thing that you can do to bring something of God's purpose to them. So when I think of praying for people, so when I think of praying for you as I get to know you, it probably come under one of three things. One is I'll pray for your faith, for your freedom, or your fruitfulness. What I mean is, um, if you're not a Christian, I'll pray that you come to know God, because that's the most wonderful thing in, in itself, but that you'd grow in your relationship with God. I'd also, I also pray for people's fruitfulness, because we have this great calling, don't we? to make a difference, that God has gifted us, that we can have a personal witness to lead others to him. So, you know, I might find myself praying for your fruitfulness, but I also might find myself praying for your freedom. What that really means is, is that God has this capacity to bless every area of our lives. It's just no area of our lives that God doesn't want to uh, put his, his fingerprint to bring his purpose and to bring his blessing. And when I think of freedom, I think of praying that you would live in the fullness of God's purpose and grace in all aspects of your life, because God wants to do that. So this morning, I'm going to begin a a little bit of a mini-series. So when I speak on a Sunday morning, I'll continue this over these next few weeks. I'm not speaking every week, but when I do, I'll touch on this series. And it's simply under the title, Working Wonders. Now, it's not so much about miracles, it's about the world of work. Now, I'm sorry for those of you going back to work tomorrow, but it's about the world of work and our endeavours and things we, we do uh, as far as all things that we work on. Now, if you're thinking, well, I'm, don't, I'm not in paid employment that I can turn off now. Uh, no, you can't. It's not simply about paid employment. It's a bigger picture than this. Now, in the kind of line of work that I do, uh, particularly years ago, um, it's hard to imagine how many times people said to me, Phil, when are you going to get a proper job? <laughs> it's incredible how many times people said that uh, to me. And my children even tell people that my, uh, our dad only works on Sunday mornings. And, uh, and that's not every Sunday morning. I remember playing golf not so long ago. And um, often when you play golf, you tend to play with people who, who you don't know. And I asked one chap what he did, and he said he's retired. And he says to me, uh, are you retired, Phil? I says, no, I'm not retired. Uh, I'm a church minister. He says, well, what's the difference? <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> now, there's a survey done amongst Christian believers and um, some things to do with work. And what was discovered in this, this survey was that 6% of those in the survey said, Christians said, um, only 6% said that they shared their faith in some way at work. 55% said that they prayed about their work, 45% didn't. 50% struggled, said they struggled to integrate 
uh, what they felt was God's purpose and desire for their lives through their work. Only 50% felt that. And uh, the conclusion was that very few recognized any way that their work itself contributed to society. Now, God's perspective on the world of work and endeavors and working on things is quite eye-opening. And there's a chap called uh, Timothy Keller who wrote an incredible book, very good book, called Every Good Endeavor. That it's really good to see God's perspective on work and when we put our hands to things that we would continue uh, or consider as work. Now, my question to you is, would you like to work alongside the writer of Ecclesiastes? Would you like to work alongside him? Let me, t- let me just read some of what he said, because he really was going off and off on one about his work in Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 17 to 23. I think it's, well, it's not quite hilarious, but um, it's amazing. So he starts off by saying, so I hated life because of the work that is done under the sun. It was grievous to me and hated all the things I had toiled for under the sun because I must leave them to the one who comes after me. So when he says under the sun, he's talking about my work here on earth. And who knows, whatever that person will, whether they'll be wise or foolish, yet they will have control over all the fruit of my toil. So my heart began to despair over all my toilsome labor under the sun. For a person may labor with wisdom, knowledge and skill, and then they must leave it all they own to another who has not toiled for it. What do people get for all the toil and anxious striving with which they labor under the sun? All their days their work is grief and pain, and even at night their minds do not rest. This too is meaningless. Now if you feel like that, I'd love to chat with you after the service. I mean, he really was having a bad day. He was not having a good day when he writes this. So you might have felt some of these things that he's talked about, though, because he was saying, so I hated my life just because of my work situation. It was just taking over. It was awful because of my work. He says that the problem is, is that he says they have control over the fruit of my, my, my toil, that other people are telling me what to do all the time, and I don't like the fact that people are telling me what to do. He says, even at night, you know, people's minds, you know, when they work, they don't rest. And, and I wonder if you've ever been in that position where it's difficult to sleep because of your work. But his main problem, his main problem was this. He says, it's because my hard work just benefits those who come after me. I'm just passing it all on. Now, I'm really glad that previous pastors have not seen it that way. You know, because they didn't know that I was going to be the pastor, but they weren't thinking years ago that, oh, I'm not going to put a lot of work in because, you know, because somebody's going to come in in 2020 and it's just going to benefit them. So what's the point? No, they don't know me personally, but, but that's what it was like. Now, I love the story about a pastor who was leaving uh, his church and uh, they had a leaving party for him. And, and somebody came up to him and uh, said, Do you know, um, the new pastor that's coming in, is, is I know, I'm guaranteed they're not going to be as good as you. I'm guaranteed they're not going to be good as you. Now, he's really encouraged by this. So he wanted a little bit more, you know, uh, compliments. So he says, oh, why do you say that? He says, well, I've been in this church for 50 years. We've had seven pastors, and every one of them has been worse than the last. 
Now, J. John, J. John, he says this. He says, some people just see it as the daily grind, work as the, the daily grind. And some people say that they just want to get out of the rat race. The only problem is, is that they stop work and they realize that they're still a rat. <laughs> now, we can reduce our work and our endeavors to paid employment, but it's a far bigger picture. The truth of our endeavors is a far bigger picture. And I encourage you, if you ever got hold of Timothy Keller's book, Every Good Endeavor, it just shows that every stage of life, every season of life, this is an area that God wants to bless as we work on things. Now, back in Genesis, the beginning of creation, God models something for us. God models something for us. And it's great to read. And there's so much to bring out about work in the start of Genesis. So just one verse, Genesis 1 verse 31 says this, God saw that all he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth Day. So that kind of repeats itself on the different, the first six days when God was um, creating. Now it's not as if God was modeling retirement after six days. I'm sorry about that. He wasn't modeling retirement after six days. But what he's modeling is that because we're made in his image, that we're created to work on things. We are created to achieve things. We are created to use our skills, to use our endeavors. And he says that God saw what he had made and it was good. So God was looking back each day on what he had done and, and what he achieved and what it looked like, and he was, blessed, uh, he was blessed by it. And we can do that. I hope that we can do that at times, whether it's paid work or other things. We can look back and think, God, that was a good day because, you know, you helped me to put my mind and my skills to some things. It's not just about doing uh, nothing. The Bible says that God is still at work. Jesus says, I'm always about my father's business. And I think it's a mistake to think that, that the father's business is only about ministry. It's not only about ministry. God's you know, business for us is more than ministry. Now, Martin Luther, he makes it clear that Christian vocation is not ahead of others. So we can fall into this trap thinking, can't we, that somebody that's called to be you know, a pastor or to go overseas to be a missionary or whatever full-time Christian work, as we called it, think that it's ahead of the game, uh, but, it, but it's not. We're all equally called. And uh, Martin Luther says this, it's pure invention uh, that Pope, bishops, priests are called to the spiritual estate while employers, artisans, or skilled workers are, and farmers are called to the temporal state. What Martin Luther is saying, that everybody's called equally to their, their work. Everybody's called equally to their work. And I pray that God blesses you in this, this realm. Now, the Greek philosophers, they thought that uh, this was the case. They thought that the ultimate goal in life was to get to a place where you didn't work where you didn't have to put your effort into anything. They were just thinking that is the position that you strive uh, towards. But that's clearly not how the Bible sees it. Sees it. The Bible doesn't seem, see that the most fulfilling life is where we do nothing, or we don't work, or we have no uh, endeavors. That's just not a spiritual, spiritual perspective. We know that Jesus was a carpenter, don't we, for 30 years. We know that uh, he called fishermen, and some of them continued to fish. Paul was uh, a tent maker. 
And uh, I'm not into camping, but bless him for that. And um, you know, we talk, you know, we read about stonemakers, educators, people who waited on tables, administrators, builders, architects, you know, cooks and and carers. So. The world of work is a very important thing within Scripture. And it's not so much that we have one day work and six days leisure. Um, We work on things. We work on things, every good endeavor. Now, I I recognize that there's seasons in life that uh, some people are retired and think, well, I'm not within paid employment. But but God has a new season, doesn't he? He has new things for us to, to get our teeth into, uh, to achieve, and to, to, be, to be blessed by. You know, I love it on TV when they, they have it and they have people graduating that are 80 years old. It's really good, isn't it, that people are taking that step later on uh, in life to, to do these kind of the, these things. Now, don't get me wrong, rest is important. I, I'm the, like the rest of you, I like to get my um, rest and there's a time for everything, and we'll come to that later on in the series, so we will talk about rest, don't worry. But and Rick, Warren, Rick Warren from Saddleback in California, he's really good about this, and he's got a massive church of about 25,000 people, and he has this philosophy, he says to people, don't work all day, don't work all week, don't work all year. Make sure you take the right amount of breaks and the right amount of rest. But Genesis introduces to us a very important scriptural truth, and that was working, work, was part of paradise. It was part of Eden. It was not a result of the fall. It was part of paradise. It was part of um, the garden. Now, of course, we can look into how the fall caused, sep- caused separation from God, and how the fall um, into sin affected uh, and cause work to be a little bit harder than it was. But biblically speaking, work was part of the Garden of Eden, not a result, result, result of the fall. So made in God's image to work on things, to create, to produce, to discover, to achieve things. Some of us even like to work on things in our leisure time, don't we? Uh, many people go on holiday and they come back and they need a holiday. Because you've been putting your, your efforts into certain things. I mean, paddle boarding's all the rage now. I've not started that, but I, I want to have a go at paddle boarding. We've just been, many of you know, walking up the uh, west coast of, well, it's only the west coast, isn't it, of Wales. So I've um, been walking up the west coast of Wales. And, but it's good even to work on things, isn't it? You, you can only spend so much time sunbathing. Now, some of you are going to disagree with me on that. You can only spend so much time sunbathing, I think. You know, even on holiday, we want to work on things and get into teeth, uh, our teeth, teeth into something. Do you know, I fully expect to be working on things in heaven. I fully expect to be working on things in heaven. Uh, I, I think it's going to be awesome what we're going to get to do. Now, I think it's been an adventure, what I've got to get to do, uh, you know, while we're here on earth. I think in heaven we're going to be working on things, because God made us in his image to work on things, to create, produce, discover, and to achieve. I don't think, I don't think I'm just going to be resting. I don't think I'm just going to be singing. I think we're going to be working on things, and because the fall doesn't affect us, it's going to be easier but I think it's going to be even more exciting what God is going to allow us to get our teeth into. Now, do you know that it has been said that we are 
the only part of God's creation that he actually gives a job description to. We're the only part of his creation that he gives a job description to. And again, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, it says this. So God created mankind in his own image. God blessed them. That's an important point, isn't he? God made them in his image. Then the first thing he did was bless. That's his heart, isn't it, to bless. And he said, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living uh, creature. So what that is saying is, is that to continue what God has set in motion, we have been given a job description. Now it says to subdue, that doesn't mean to squash. What it means, go and make it work well. God says, I've created all this. Mankind, whether you're believers or not, go and make this work well. I've set it up for you. Go and make it work well. As Timothy Keller says this, God left creation with deep untapped potential for cultivation that people were to unlock through their endeavours. So he says, doesn't it, back in Genesis, to go out and populate the world. We're doing quite well with that. To spread out, we're doing quite well with that. To build communities, to build society, and to work together so that people thrive together and as individuals. And he goes on to say that God cares for his creation and gives us creative care. Now, aren't you glad, aren't you glad that God has gifted many people that benefit society? That God has gifted people that benefit you and me. That we'd be lost without them, whether they're Christians or not Christians. We would be stuck if God had not gifted people with certain uh, talents. Even in an imperfect world. Aren't you glad that for Sunday lunch you're probably not going to just eat manna? (laughs) If you are, give us a ring and um, I know where KFC is and... um, I hope, you know, isn't it good that we're not, that you can go to, you know, you can go to Greg's, you can go to Subway's, you can get a panini, and uh, if you live in Harborn, where we're going to live, you can go to M&S or Waitrose. Um. <laughs> I mean, aren't you glad that they, they are there? I, I, I actually, we, where did we, yeah, so we kind of, one of the first Sundays we were here was Valentine's weekend, wasn't it? And we drove past M&S, and the car park was full of blokes <laughs> picking up their special deal for Sunday lunch. Wasn't it? It was absolutely full. We were there as well, so that's how we, that's how we know. I mean, aren't you glad that we don't just eat quail? That there are other kind of, you know, bits of chicken that we can buy in other places. Do you know when the, um, the Super Bowl is on in America... They sell one billion chicken wings. That's amazing, isn't it? That is hard to get through. <laughs> there you go. You're going to take something away from this morning, aren't you? <laughs> but aren't you glad that we've got some good cooks and some chefs and all these restaurants and we can buy food? Aren't you glad that we, we don't only have one pair of shoes? My kids always have a go at me. Dad, you've only got one pair of shoes. Why have you only got one pair of shoes? But there's no lacking of shoes within our house, I have to say that. Not when our kids are around, anyway. Aren't you glad that we have musicians or people with practical skills, organisers, medical people, police, people who maintain the roads, aeroplanes, pilots for the aeroplanes, that's good. 
hotels, bin cleaners, teachers, banks, politicians. That's pushing it a bit, okay, but aren't we, aren't we thankful for all these gifts and talents that God given us? And, and invariably, do you know, God provides through us, through other people. Have you noticed that? Invariably, God provides for us through other people. When we pray for something that we need from God, invariably, God sends somebody else, doesn't he? And sometimes that we can be the answer to somebody else's prayer, that, that all these people, whether they're Christians or not, are still a godsend for us uh, to appreciate. So God's plan of creation and culture for us to survive and thrive is through something called common grace. That God has dished out these, these great talents and abilities for people so that we you know, bless each other. And, and the one, Colossians 1 says this, doesn't he? he? He created all things. He created all things, and he is above all things, and in him all things hold together, and partly through this common grace that he has given to our world. Lester de Costa says this, Our paycheck, or salary, helps us to buy far more than we could ever possibly produce for ourselves. That's absolutely true, isn't it? And uh, these things are there. And, you know, I, I... I don't say this flippantly. I really appreciate when I go to somewhere like Costa or a coffee shop, there's somebody serving me coffee. You know, I really appreciate that. I, it's not that I'm too lazy to make it myself. That's not the point. But I appreciate what they do. I appreciate what they do, not just, just for me. And it's been interesting, isn't it, that over these last 18 months, there's been an interesting discussion, discussion as to what is essential. Who are essential workers? Who are key Workers. Now, we all wanted to be key workers so we could get to the front of the queue and whatever. But what are essential workers? And it's good that the world a little bit has been turned upside down, hasn't it? That we can start to appreciate other people's roles and responsibilities. In Romans 1 verse 20, the Apostle Paul says this. Since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his divine nature has been clearly seen, been understood uh, from what he has made, so that people are without excuse. So saying that what God has made really sets us up to, uh, for people to know that God is there. So there really is no excuse for saying God doesn't exist. Now sometimes we think this is just about when we look out on creation, that that is the only evidence that God exists. And, uh, you know, a be- beautiful view really does, is good for us, isn't it? And uh, J. John says this, You know, it's really sad to be an atheist looking at a beautiful sunset and not having anybody to thank for it. But we can look out, can't we, say, God, that's amazing. And it's even more special because we know (laughs) that it reflects something of who you are. And, uh, you know, we know you're there anyway. just reflects something of you. But also, though, but also, though, some of you will be greatly moved by a piece of music. Some of you are really into music. I'm not really into music. Um, Abba making a comeback, good. <laughs> but I'm not as into music as some of you, but I I'm, don't say this explicitly. I bet, I bet many of you sometimes are deeply moved by a piece of music. Some of you will be deeply moved by a piece of art. And I know it sounds quite shallow. I, I sometimes get really moved by an incredible sporting achievement. Not just in the Olympics when, you know, they 
able body, but, but watching the determination of people in the Paralympics and, and some of the things that people achieve with adversity is very moving, isn't it? I'm sure that there's things that you've seen that other people do that at times that they're so good, so wonderful, using their gifts that God has given them, I'm sure that it has moved you to tears because you've seen what God has done through other people and the gifts that they have displayed. And I just love it when people, you know, they do, they achieve something, that they're very determined and follow something through. And the Apostle Paul says this, doesn't he, in Philippians 4, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, excellent, praiseworthy, think about such things. So we can really, you know, it's important that we, we, we're thankful for the common grace that God has given our world, the, the blessing that God brings through other people, whether they're Christians or not, and we have a part to play. The problem with the guy in Ecclesiastes, the philosopher, he couldn't see where his work fitted into the overall picture. He couldn't appreciate that he's blessing other people, and if he was blessing other people, he didn't think that it was worth it anyway. But we all have a part to play within our endeavours. Now, like I say, this is just an introduction. So I think this is a season, whatever season of life, it's good to appreciate where God has put us for this season, whether it's paid work, voluntary work, uh, serving in other ways, bringing up children, supporting grandchildren, supporting other people who need care, whether it's home building, whether it's ministering in other ways. It's really good for us to know that uh, this is God's plan for our lives that he is with us, that he's still got a plan for this, even if we're not in full-time Christian ministry. It's very important. Now, to finish this particular, um, just to conclude this, I'm not going to continue um, talking, but I'd like to show a DVD clip that I find very moving. I hope you do. If you don't, then I hope it blesses you in some way. And it's a four-minute DVD clip, and then we'll pray. And it's simply called Team Hoyt. So let me just give you a little bit of a backstory uh, for it. This will help you to appreciate what's going on in the DVD clip. And it's about Rick uh, Hoyt, who was born in 1962 to uh, his dad, Dick and Judy Hoyt. And a result, um, this was in the newspaper, of oxygen deprivation to, to Rick's brain at the time of his birth. Rick was diagnosed as quadriplegic with cerebral palsy. Now, his parents, Dick and Judy, were advised to institutionalize him um, because there's no chance of him recovering and little hope for Rick to live a normal life. Now, it wouldn't have been wrong for them to do this, but the parents decided not to. This was just the beginning, uh, the newspaper said, of Dick and Judy's quest for Rick's inclusion in community, sports, education, and one day into the workplace. They fought to integrate Rick into the public school system, pushing administrators to see beyond Rick's physical limitations. Then in the spring of 1977, stick with me, stick with me, Rick told his dad that he wanted to participate in a five-mile benefit run for a lacrosse player who had been paralysed in an accident. But far from being a distance runner, Dick, his dad, agreed to push Rick in his wheelchair and they finished all five miles coming in next to last. That night, Rick told his father, Dad, when I was running, it feels like I'm not handicapped. This realisation, it goes on the newspaper article, um, was just the beginning of what would become 
over 1,000 races that they completed, including marathons, um, duathlons, triathlons. They also added to the list of uh, achievements that Dick and Rick biked and ran across the USA in 1992, completing a full 3,735 miles in 45 days. Rick couldn't speak, and uh, there's a longer version of the, um, the DVD, which you can go onto YouTube and see. And they, they, he couldn't speak, but they set up a computer so that he, he, he could speak. And they wanted to know what his first words were. So all the family came around and they wanted to know, and they didn't, they wanted to know whether he'd say hi mum or hi dad. He didn't. He just talked about his sports team. He didn't talk about his parents at all. And they thought it was really, really hilarious. But I just loved the bit on the DVD where he graduates as well. But anyway, this is Team Hoyt and it's about four minutes and I hope that you enjoy it. Thanks, Daisy.
when all I would do is forever, forever worship you. I can only don't celebrate it. Thanks, Isaac. But I just thought it'd be good to pray this morning um, for those who'd like us to pray. And uh, in a moment, I'm going to invite you to, to stand for us to pray, if you'd like that. If you don't quite appreciate the season that you're in, and uh, as far as your work and your endeavors in saying, God, I really need to know your purpose and understand what you have for me, Maybe there's something about your work that you want to bring to the Lord at the moment. Maybe there's something new that you're involved in or commencing with and you want to bring to the Lord. Or you want to say to the Lord, I just want to bring a difference for you in the workplace where I am. So if you could relate to any of those things, and it'd be great to include you uh, in the prayer. Why Why don't you stand as we pray, as you bring it to the Lord, and I'll pray for us this morning. It's going to leave uh, 20 seconds that you can bring your own prayer to the Lord before I pray you know what's on your heart about your endeavors, your situation at the moment. And uh, then I'll pray maybe a particular need for work and I'll pray into that. Lord, thank you that you have many gifts and uh, adventures and sometimes challenges for us and uh, they are ways that they develop us as we show determination. We thank you, Lord, that uh, life in you is an adventure. We thank you where you do players, places, certainly in our work life. And I pray for those at this moment, Lord, that are in paid employment and that particularly want to bring a certain situation to you. Uh, for some, they might say, Lord, I just love my work. Thank you so much for this. And, you know, just help me to make a difference for you, to shine for you. For some, starting something new and saying, Lord, I just want to see your perspective, just a sense of your presence with me uh, at the start of this. Just help me to trust you and to live in your peace uh, and your joy. And, 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 Trust the fact that you've gone before me, that you are there, that you've prepared a place uh, for where I am at this moment in time. Lord, I pray for those who are struggling with a work issue, 
that you would give incredible wisdom, as you promised if we ask for wisdom. Give wisdom, Lord, to work this particular uh, issue through. And maybe that's your prayer today. Say, Lord, give me wisdom. Give me wisdom, please. And for some, you might think, well, I'm not in paid employment. And, and Lord, I want to live in the purpose that you've got for me. And Father, we thank you that you have this ability to bring new adventures, to new purpose, to bring a freshness to the season of life that we're in. And Lord, this morning, we pray that we would receive all that you've got for us for this season of time. Help us to receive all that you've got for us. Lord, I pray that you put fresh, fresh vision and, and ideas and opportunity, Lord, for those who are thinking, Lord, I'm not too sure what I'm going to do with my time. And uh, Lord, uh, we pray for freedom to rest, but for new opportunities and new adventures, Lord, uh, from you, we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Amen.